What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast. Today is November 19th, the year of our Lord, 2018. I am Will Brinson, the host of CBS Sports' daily NFL show, and I am joined every, as I am every Monday, and potentially this coming Thanksgiving, although they didn't realize that until I just told them just now, the trio of Ryan Wilson, Sean wagner McGuff, and John Breach. What is up, Ryan, and are you excited about podcasting on Thanksgiving night? I'm excited to listen to you and Sean podcast on Thanksgiving night because I will be eating slash passed out drunk, but uh, looking forward to that, <laughs> that Friday episode. Okay. Now we're definitely calling you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. John, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm totally in. If you guys are down with having seven of my nieces and nephews as guest hosts on this podcast. I'm just telling you that the powers that be, they said, roundtable, Thanksgiving roundtable. I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a plan. I can't wait to be podcasting on the one bar of service for my parents' farm in Backwoods, North Carolina. Where uh, Tariq Cohen's from? Do you hear? Uh, do you hear all Al Michaels talking about Bun, North Carolina? Ryan, he oh, said. Bun? He said. He said. He goes. He's from somewhere rural, and Bun <laughs> is indeed somewhere rural. It's a suburb of like, it's like in between Rocky Mountain and Raleigh, which is where I live. Um, but Tariq Cohen had a pretty good game for the Bears. Did have a, a costly fumble, but Sean, the floor is yours. For your Bears have defeated the Minnesota Vikings. They are alone at the top of the NFC North standings. Mitchell Trubisky might not be any good, but he's certainly the quarterback of a first-place team. Yeah, I don't think Trubisky's the story from this game. I think the story is that the Bears' defense is the reason why that they are a legitimately good team. And I think entering the week, I was saying it, I thought the Bears were going to win this game because I think they're the better team. They were better by every single statistic heading into the game. And I think that showed up today, and I don't think – the Vikings had enough of an upgrade at the quarterback position to negate the advantage that the Bears' defense gave them. And, look, I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, I think the Bears are a good team, and I think they're very flawed. I think you have three really good teams in the NFL right now, and the Rams, the Saints, the Chiefs, and I think you have a lot of very good teams after that, and I think the Bears are in that pack. And I think this win has convinced me that they are going to win the NFC North because of their defense, not because of Mitch Trubisky. That being said... I think Trubisky is good enough to play good against bad teams, which will matter, especially when they play the Lions on Thursday. But it, what tonight showed is that when he goes up against a good defense like the Vikings, he's going to struggle a bit. But you know what? That's okay because the, the Bears have a very good defense that can keep them in games and can kind of make it so he doesn't have to play well. And I think the biggest takeaway is that he can't turn the ball over twice like he did tonight. If he can avoid that, if the Bears are just punting the ball away every single time, I don't know if the Vikings are going to score on them. And so I think come playoff time, if the Bears do in fact make it, which I think they will, this is a team that no one really wants to play because if you have to go against that defense, I think they're going to kind of turn it into this ugly low-scoring game that they could win. So, look, I think the Bears are good. I think this proved they were good. I think people can get off their backs that they've never beat a good team. This was the vindication they needed. Uh, now it's just about them taking care of business, getting to 10 wins, because I think 10 wins is what ultimately wins the division. Mm. Bears won 25 to 20 over the Vikings. Um, Ryan, would you rather have Mitchell Trubisky or Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins, but I will say this. Uh, Kirk Cousins has no one blocking for him. And when you have no one blocking for you going up against the best defense in the world, typically you'll look a lot worse than what Kirk Cousins looked like on Sunday night. I think coming into the game, his passer rating when he was pressured was like 95. And for most of that game on Sunday night, it was 17. So he's actually good under pressure, um, and that Vikings defense is is really good. And I actually thought Trubisky played much better than Sean's willing to give him credit for. Um, he made two terrible throws, but those are I feel like are pretty easily fixed. In the first half, he was running all over the. He was like the best running back on the field, and he was making look fifteen yards and in. He's pretty good. After fifteen yards, you really don't want him throwing the ball. And I feel like if you can just manage him, and I mean that in the best possible way, like when. Uh, the Ravens managed Joe Flacco when he was a rookie, and the Steelers managed Ben Roethlisberger when he, when he was a rookie. They had great defenses, relying on the running game. You can go really far. I think when they get in trouble, since Trubisky's trying to do things that are outside of his purview, which means throwing the ball more than 15 yards down the field. I think the bigger issue for the for the Vikings is where do they go from here? They got to play the Packers next uh, a week ago, uh, a week from Sunday night, and that's that game is huge for both those teams. So I think the Bears are fine. Sean pointed out this is their sort of first signature win of the season. 
But uh, I don't know what that means once they get to the playoffs. But right now they're in first place, and I feel like they're going to probably stay there. I would be stunned if the Bears don't make the playoffs. I mean, the Vikings are they're chasing them. They're five, four, and one. Bears are seven and three. I mean, they got two games on them, and they got the head-to-head tiebreak on them right now. I mean, the Bears are. I won't say they're locked into the playoffs, but ten weeks into the season, it's seven and three. Well, next week it's the Vikings and the Packers too, and that the losers is out. I feel like. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and then you know, look if you're if you're Chicago and you're going to get a if you're going to get a team that's on a you know a short week, it's uh the, the the Lions are a good team to get on that short week. So that's a pretty good setup for for the Bears there in terms of Thanksgiving. Uh, they will be heavy favorites against the Detroit Lions. In so that, that's why you say that. I'm a, I'm a little bit concerned about the game just because of the quick turnaround. I think it's really unprecedented. You have a team getting flexed into Sunday night when they have the Thursday morning game on Thanksgiving. I think that's a really tough turnaround. I think I think I really think it makes a difference between going from a morning day game on Sunday, getting home at a decent time, and being able to report to the facility Monday morning. Now they're not getting home till after midnight. I I, I think it's a tough turnaround. I think. Detroit's a good team to have to play, like Brenton was saying. Um, that being said, I think why this win was so important is I won't be surprised if they go and lose to Detroit just because of fatigue. Wow, Sean's such a—he's like—he's one of those fans that's so used to losing that he can't get over. This is yeah. sound like a Debbie Downer, Sean. Is this how you are at parties? I don't go to parties. No wonder that. No wonder your. No wonder your. No wonder your. No wonder. No wonder your Tinder profile's not popping off. You're like, you're like yeah, wow. <laughs> we don't. We don't need to go. We don't need to do pre-show conversation on this pod. I'm just kidding. We're just alluding to a joke, an inside joke. We're we're laughing. We're we're debating what Sean's Tinder profile read. It involves Rogue One. For those that follow him on Twitter. Um, more importantly, it's not a morning game, Sean. It's called a noon game. It's only well, a I'm, so, I'm on the I'm on the right coast. It's so. only a morning game if you're a West Coast elitist like yourself. I um, love that Sean, by the way, understands the nuances of what it means to play a late Sunday night game and turn around and play <laughs> Thursday morning game. Uh, all right, elsewhere in the NFL, the team that I wrote about today, the Nolan Saints, um, destroyed destroyed the Philadelphia Eagles, the defending Super Bowl champions, who look like as one of us predicted before the season. They might not make it back to the playoffs. Hmm? Hmm? Um, not hedging so much now, I hear. What's that? You're not hedging quite as much now as you were in August. <laughs> in August, I was petrified that it was going to be wrong. Like, can you imagine, like, if Jason Kelsey gets up there and he's like, and some clown named Will Brinson wrote, who is this guy? Um, I mean, I don't think I, I don't think I'm big enough to warrant a, a, an inclusion into his speech, but I'd still be scared about it. Um, anyway, the Saints throttle the Eagles. Could have dropped a 50-burger on them. Didn't. Um, they, they actually eased up and kicked a field goal late that covered the over at 54.5 but didn't cover the over at 56 for those interested in such things. Um, Drew Brees is outstanding again, throwing it all over the place. Mark Ingram and and uh, and Alvin Kamara ran the ball incredibly well. Sean Payton is just stepping on dudes' throats right now. And I think the two things that, that I take away from the Saints team more than anything, guys, is that, one, the offensive line is playing at a really high level, and that changes everything, Breach, when you look at what the Saints can do on offense. But then, two, you have you know, you know have a defense that's actually starting to come together a little bit. Um, I think that if I were picking a team to win the Super Bowl right now, I would pick the Saints. I absolutely agree with that so much so that um, three weeks ago we made our midseason – Super Bowl picks, uh, there was – I John, picked the Saints. John, I'm just telling you to keep talking so I can run out and get a power cord. I picked the Saints, and I don't have any extra power cords. I'm sorry for you, Brenton. Uh, but, yeah, I picked the Saints from a midseason pick because I love everything that I've seen from them. Uh, not only do we have this offense just blowing through everybody. I mean, when they blew out the Bengals last week, we were thinking it's just the Bengals, who cares? But now it's the Eagles, the defending Super Bowl champions. They hand them the worst loss that any defending Super Bowl champion has ever been given. And uh, they made Carson Wentz look like it was his first day playing football. Carson Wentz had no idea what he was doing against the Saints defense. And so to see this team put up 546 yards of offense, but then also hold the Eagles under 200 yards, it's just they feel like the most complete team in the NFL right now. And I know... There are probably a bunch of Chiefs and Rams fans who are getting ready for their game on Monday night saying, yo, what about our team? But right now, if I had to pick one of those three teams to win the Super Bowl, I am absolutely taking the Saints over the Rams or the Chiefs. Do you guys disagree? Am I crazy? Just for the record, 
when we did our season predictions back in September, uh, Jason Lockenfor and I both picked the Saints. Um, hasn't happened yet, but I just want to, you know, preemptively brag about my choice. But who'd you have in the AFC? The Patriots. So it's still, it's still, it's still, it's, I changed it to the Chiefs at the, at the midseason when we. That's weak, man. You should have rolled, you should have rolled with the same prediction at the thing and then bragged about it in the, in the piece. Be like, I'm just going to stick with what I got. No, because I came on the podcast a week later and I made the bold claim that the Patriots were the fifth best team in the AFC, which I immediately retracted five seconds later, but. That's a worse take than uh, my claim that the Steelers are going to miss the playoffs and lose the division. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> By the way, uh, quickly, this is sort of worth noting. Our buddy Greg Doyle at uh, the Indy Star has been writing about Frank Reich tearing it up. But uh, Frank Reich's gone as the OC in Philadelphia. And Michelle uh, Steele tweeted this at ESPN. He has Andrew Luck looking like Andrew Luck, and Carson Wentz looks like, mm. I don't know what, he looks like Tim Tebow out there. <laughs> I don't know how much Frank Reich oh. that. That was just a, that was for John D, John D. Filippo's gone too for whatever. And John like. D. Filippo is gone yeah. as well. So, you know, we were talking about Doug Peterson as some you know genius. I don't know what this says about his coaching if he's suddenly a terrible coach or it's just a matter of losing a lot of assistance underneath him. But that Eagles offense doesn't look good, and that defense has been terrible all year. You know, it's weird. Uh, we were talking about this in Slack during the game, but like Wentz's stats are actually better this year than he was last year. Um, I don't think anyone would actually suggest that Carson Wentz is a better quarterback this year than he was last year, though. I mean, he, last year he was you know, making plays with his legs, converting third downs, throwing a ton of touchdowns. Um, I mean, his completion percentage is up, his yards per game and his yards per attempt are all up. Uh, maybe, maybe that's not true after this, after the Saints game and how badly he played. Lowest quarterback rating of his career, 31.9. And, and just, I mean, the Eagles just don't look like they have it this year. And I, I, they're not dead in the water yet because that division, and we'll get to that in a second, is wide open. But, I mean, I would be pretty stunned if the Eagles were a, a, a playoff-caliber team at all. 41-point loss is the largest margin of defeat by a defending Super Bowl champion in NFL history. It's not great, Bob. Um, the other team from that division, the Dallas Cowboys, actually went into uh, – well, we'll talk about two teams at once in that division because I think this is important. Uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks uh, today when um, – when I looked at, when it, like all of a sudden you look at the schedules, you realize that they're playing on Thanksgiving. The Dallas Cowboys are one game back of the Washington Redskins who just lost Alex Smith to the season with a broken fibula and tibula. He won't play again. They're going to have to roll with Colt McCoy. They're bringing in Mark Sanchez for a tryout amongst other guys. And the Cowboys go into Atlanta. They win their second straight game. All of a sudden they, they won two road games. I believe that they've got, um, a slew of home games coming up and it starts this Thursday, uh, breach against the, uh, against the Washington Redskins at home on Thanksgiving. And if they beat them there, they're tied for the division lead. They get the Redskins, Saints, and Eagles at home. And then they close with the Colts on the road, Buccaneers at home, and Giants on the road. Jason Garrett's going to get an extension. He's going to get a lifetime extension. Jerry Jones is going to hand him a contract, hand him the keys to AT&T Stadium, and say, it's all yours, man. When I pass, I'm not giving it to my kids. It's all yours, your coach, until this franchise doesn't exist anymore. And like you just mentioned with that schedule, they're such in a good spot to uh, really lay claim to the division title over the next few weeks. They beat the Redskins if they beat them on Thanksgiving. Uh, and then uh, two weeks after that, they play the Eagles at home. They win those two games. They're in total control of the division. And it's crazy because they were barely in control of their game today. This game with the Falcons literally went down to the wire. It felt like another game where uh, maybe the Cowboys blow it. But then they didn't blow. So it's like the Cowboys have been slowly getting a little bit better, like baby steps, just tiny little baby steps. And now they're taking these bigger steps. And I know I feel like we wrote the Cowboys off about three times in the past six weeks. Uh, but I think maybe we should write them back on because I think they're looking like the favorite in the NFC East now. I think that's a very rude thing to say about Colt McCoy. Uh, a few years ago, he went down to Dallas and whooped up on the Cowboys. And look, I don't even think this is a hot take. I think he's probably better than Alex Smith. Uh, <laughs> That's a hot take. Ryan I, Ryan picked Alex Smith for MVP before the season. Just this so is true. I, <laughs> yeah. It was before Darius guys got hurt, but I, I don't. Oh, oh yeah, because that was the key to Alex Smith's MVP. Season. And it was, and, and in Ryan's defense, it was after nine beers. So I mean, like he's. Before one and after the other, so that's yeah, how it so, works. Yeah. But uh, look, Al, I, whether I said he was MVP or not, Alex Smith has had a, not a very good season. Um, broken bones in his leg, now notwithstanding. Uh, that was super hard to watch, and I I don't understand why tele, uh, telecasts show replays of people breaking bones. Whatever. But Colt McCoy is not terrible. Um, 
there was actually a conversation that they thought about uh, keeping him last year or two years ago, not franchising Kirk Cousins and rolling with Colt. So I don't think they're going to be any worse with uh, with Colt McCoy out there. The offensive line needs to get healthy, and we, we know about all the issues on offense. And if they can sort those out and just be average, I think they have just as good a chance to win the division as as the Cowboys, probably better. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't you know. Would take this, the, you would take the Redskins over the Cowboys? That's uh, crazy talk. Down, down the stretch? Yeah. Who wins the division? Look, I took Alex Smith as MVP. I might as well stick, stay on this bandwagon. Right. That's By your logic, though, shouldn't it, the MVP getting hurt mean the team that he plays for just tanks? How valuable is your MVP if he gets hurt? If you hurt, were listening instead of saying stupid stuff, you would have heard me say that once Darius Geis went down, that went out the whole point, Sean, last year. This offense was one I forgot about your logic for being MVP. So the Redskins have the Cowboys in, in in Dallas on Thanksgiving, as I mentioned. And by the way, they will be a eight or nine point underdog to Dallas in that game. Uh, probably starting Colt McCoy. One would presume. Is that your line or is that early line? This is the early line that I'm looking at. Uh, the other of note, the Bears are only a minus three and a half at Detroit. That seems slow. I mean, that's all Sean right there with the turnaround. You have a quick turnaround. It's hard to come back and play. Morning football and all that. Saint, do you know what the Saints line is over the Falcons? It's big. Oh. I know that. 13. Double digits? Is it double digits? 13. Yeah, it's crazy. And I wouldn't want to bet the Falcons either. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, I just think when you look at Washington's schedule, here's the problem. They have four of their next six games, four of their six games to close the season out or on the road. Um, they have to play the Eagles twice, which I guess is, is, could, you know, could be better. I mean, but look, if they go in, if they, you know, if they somehow manage to just slap together two wins in their next if they win their next two games or even go one and one of those games and then beat the Eagles in the week, you know, they need to beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving is what I'm saying. But if they can pull off that upset on the road and, and it, it flips the division back in their favor and they have a very good shot at winning it. They still get the Giants. Uh, they're at the Titans, which won't be an easy game and they get the, the Jaguars on the road as well. So I mean, I don't know. I could see Washington closing out like two and four and that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Four or five games on the road is rough though. Yeah. But the the Redskins, I mean the the Cowboys could also go two and four down the stretch. I mean that wouldn't be outside their own possibility. No, no. I mean, look, as someone who's been bashing the Cowboys for a few weeks, I'm abjectly terrified that the Cowboys are going to win this division and make me look like a moron. Like they they I did some like clip for Time to Shine where I'm like the Cowboys are trash. Take this clip, run it every week when they lose, and remind me about it. And uh, they're, they're running it every week and reminding me about it because I'm a clown. Um, and it's out there on Twitter, and I'm sure that somebody's going to mock me for it when the, when the Cowboys win the division. I will be mocking you for it at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning, and then I will tweet Sean to have him retweet it. Then I'm going to email Wilson and have him send it to his email buddies because I know he doesn't do a lot of Twitter. Matt to beak. And then I'm going to send out – yeah, straight from the beak. And then uh, I'm going to tweet my division prediction with that, which was the Cowboys winning it. And I feel good about it. Old, uh, old, old boss man around the, these parts and Pick 6 podcast listener, Matt Tabeek. Um, enjoying He's his Cowboys game. fan. Uh-oh. You're going to get in trouble with the Falcons. Uh, Falcons, but, oh, that was a, that was a rough game for him. I just realized that. Yeah, the, the, uh, yeah, the, my, my Falcons Super Bowl pick is also dead in the water. Um, Atlanta, man, you just can't lose that game if you wanted to try to make any sort of run. They had gone on that little street to get back to even. Um, but now you're, you know. This worse, this loss isn't as bad as the Browns lost last week. I I think this is I worse. think it's worse. It's at, it's at home. It's at home. Yeah, yeah. You, have, you only scored 19 points. Well, the problem is that they moved the ball well. They just they settled for field goal after field goal after field goal. So I feel like the wind was there. They just for whatever reason they just could never fully get in the groove until it's it's always funny. This game was I think six three or nine six going into the fourth quarter, and then that's when both teams started scoring touchdowns. But up to that point, the game was it was a horrible slog. Um, I, I don't know if either team was that impressive, but I think it's, it's a season-saving win for the Cowboys and obviously a season-losing loss for the, for the Falcons. Yep. Uh, speaking of not that impressive, the Pittsburgh Steelers were not that impressive in Jacksonville for much of the day, but your boys managed to come out of it with a win, Ryan. Ben Roethlisberger diving over the end zone, barely broke the plane. I wouldn't call it a dive. Uh, he flopped over the end zone, <laughs> fell face first. He face-planted into rock over the end zone. Um 27 to 47 for 314 yards, two touchdowns and three picks. That's just not a pretty game for him, but you know what? Doesn't matter. They won the game, right? Yeah. If you watch that replay, it's hilarious. It was supposed to be a, uh, option. Passes? The option. 
Well, uh, the the tight end was coming across the line. You're supposed to flip it to him. What are those things called? Uh, the shovel, shovel pass. Yeah, shovel pass. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't there. They actually defended it very well. If you watch when Roethlisberger falls into the end zone, he falls face first. His elbow gets over the line, and then his face hits the football and bounces off the football a little bit, like a fat kid that fell down in third grade <laughs> playing kickball. Uh, here's the thing, man. They got dominated for three quarters. Uh, Leonard Fournette was running roughshod over those guys like it was 20, 2017. Both times they played them. Blake Bortles threw the ball. 10, uh, 10 attempts, uh, 10 for 18, 10 yep. completions. And it was like he was a, like a high school quarterback and they just turned around and handed the ball off. And then, you know, much like they did last year in the AFC championship game against the Steelers, uh, excuse me, the Patriots, wishful thinking, uh, they turtled up in fourth quarter. They just kept running the ball. Um, our buddy Ken Tremendous, I wish he was my buddy, but he had this fantastic tweet about what they did down the stretch. Let me see if I can find it. Um, let's see, let's see. Here it is. Okay. Noted celebrity that we're not friends with, Ken Tremendous. With 209 left in the third, the Jaguars scored a touchdown to put them up 16 nothing. They were not, they had a 96% chance to win at that point. After that, eight Fournette rushes up the middle for six total yards, two sacks, two incompletions, four punts, and they end up losing. Um, Roethlisberger said after the game, there's a lot of yapping going on from the, from the uh, Jacksonville defenders, and rightfully so. They were uh, all up under his skin. He made a lot of terrible throws. Jalen Ramsey balled out. He had the worst game of his life last year when he was blowing coverages left and right last week, and he showed up, and he was dominating Antonio Brown. And then it just seemed like they turned the switch off in the fourth quarter. And I think the biggest takeaway is that Blake Bortles has to go. Like, he's not the answer. You cannot win with Blake Bortles. They needed this win so uh, so terribly badly. They lost five in a row. This would have put them at four and six, right back in the mix. All those five and five teams are battling for that wild card spot. Now they're three and seven or whatever. Lost six straight, and they they're done. I don't know if you fire Marone. I don't know if that's even a, a topic at this point. Wow! But they have to be a lot of changes in the offseason. Who's the more dis- who's the more disappointing team? The Eagles or the Jaguars? Jags. I feel like. Wow. Eagles. I feel and like I the, think, the Eagles can still get back in it. They're not playing as terribly as the Jaguars have played. I think the Jags just because, or sorry, the Eagles because we all saw this Jags thing coming from a mile away. We're all read. Everyone was writing articles in the offseason about how. They need an upgrade at quarterback, and they refused to do that. And we kind of all saw this coming. I don't think anyone's. I was that fine surprised. with the. I was fine with the Bortles extension, by the way. Just so I'm on the record. Ouch! That is not something you want to be on the record for. Yeah. <laughs> you mean, know what on the record means, Wilson? That's that's not what that's not what you want. Oh, okay. I, the, I misunderstood. The Jaguars. <laughs> the Jaguars are below in the playoff standings. The Broncos, Browns, and Bills. For, for the record, though, I, I disagree. I don't think they need to make major changes. I think they need to make the change they should have made a year ago, which was swap out the quarterback. That's a major change. Right, right but sorry. I, I, I don't think there's multiple pieces they have to move. Like, I don't know if firing Marone is the solution here. I think – Their locker room's a mess, though. They, they, they're fighting – But the, the locker room's a mess because they suck and they thought they'd be good. This happens all the time. The locker room doesn't suck. It's the same locker room as last year. There were no issues last year because they were winning games. And I think if you swap out a quarterback and you start winning games, all those personalities on the defense aren't coming out. They were also um, Blake Bortles well into the offseason. Sure. They're, I mean, are they going to support him if they stick with him another year? Probably not. I just, I think but, it helps. From the, he didn't lose this game. He I think it, lost. Well, it, they well lost I mean, he got it because they refused. Yeah, because they have no confidence in him. And I, I, just to be positive about the Jaguars, I think what's nice is that. They have a very clear, identifiable issue that they need to fix in the offseason. It's not a mystery about why they suddenly suck. They know why they suck, and they just have to go fix it. Yeah, but it's not that easy because if you look at the Jaguars' uh, salary cap situation, they're going to have to, like, some of these defensive guys are going to be gone. Like, they, like, they're not all sticking around. They're going to have to pay Jalen Ramsey because he's due for a contract. The rumor, trade rumors about Jalen Ramsey before the game, which were insane. Um, they're not trading Jalen Ramsey. Oh, for two. Oh, you, who you shot? Who you fired shots at there? That was my Ben Roethlisberger talking to that Jaguars defense, but different. <laughs> I don't know what zero for two means. You know what's crazy about this? The, the Jaguars and how they played, and, and how Wilson loving on Bortles here. The Jags literally designed a game plan to let him touch the ball as little as possible. The game plan worked to perfection. 43 carries, 179 yards. Do not let Blake Bortles do anything. Let your defense do everything. You pick off Ben Roethlisberger three times. So the game plan worked to perfection, and they still lost. 
So if your quarterback is just somewhat functional, can do anything, and we saw a few spurts from Bortles last season where he would do that, but he can't now. It's just like when John, you, you have to give up on him. I would say this, and Tony Romo made this point. And Tony Cole Romo, McCoy is better than Blake Bortles. I can't believe one of us is defending Blake Bortles on this podcast. This Here's is such me. a curveball. This is <laughs> not that dissimilar than what we are talking about with Mitch Trubisky. Uh, please don't compare Blake Bortles and, uh, and Chicago. But here's the deal. They're very, similar. They're very similar guys. I think Mr. Bisky is light years better than Blake. Can you, can you mute Sean? I have a very good point to make. Sure. Uh, Tony Romo <laughs> made this, made this point very well uh, towards the end of the game. They had third and five and, um, they kept when they were pounding the ball with, with uh, Leonard Fournette and Romo's like, just run a bootleg. There's no one out there. Uh, the Steelers keep crashing the line because they're trying to stop Fournette because he keeps running to the middle of the line. Run a bootleg with Bortles, who's at, as athletic as Trubisky. And, um, they just kept pounding up the middle. So, Bortles is terrible. I think we all can agree on that. But you can use his athleticism to help you do something other than give the ball to Fournette so he can run into a brick wall six times at the end of that game. They didn't do that. And if you actually watch that third and five play, I think it's the last play they had before the Steelers took the lead, he hands that ball off and he runs Bortles straight to the sidelines because he knows it's not going to work. And he's like, well, my work is done here because I'm pretty much useless. By the way, I'm getting peppered. Speaking of Mitchell Trubisky, I'm getting peppered by people who are like, you got to get on Brady Quinn's back and remind him about all his Bears hate over the past few weeks. He's been yeah, clowning. What's his, what's his deal? I don't know, he's, been he's, got that whole, he's got that whole pantry analogy about going to the pantry and eating things. It's time to update the metaphor. I is love it, the pantry. It can't, it can't, Me too. It can't be both an analogy and a metaphor. Sean's drunk. Um, that's <laughs> Did you see the Bears win, man? <laughs> Went in Vegas. Sean, by the way, Sean evacuated his uh, home of Oakland. How's the? Uh, is, is everybody doing okay? Uh, they are. The air quality is still horrible. Mm. I checked tonight. You, do you uh, have black lung? Yes or no? I don't know what that is, but I don't think so. I'm breathing. That sounds pretty serious. Okay, that's good. Uh, <laughs> good. I'll let you know though, if my lungs turn black. How will you know? Uh, moving along. <laughs> Ravens, I can't get this game to load in the freaking, the, the thing. So we'll just do something else. Some of the stupid Giants Buccaneers game. Uh, explain to me why I care about this game, Ryan. Just kidding. Hey, the, uh, the Giants won. That's a huge deal. Two in a row, I believe. Eli Manning was, uh, protected and he looked, you know, if you squint your eyes like Eli Seven, Manning scored. 17. Wait. 17 of 18 for 231 and two touchdowns. So I, here's something that, uh, I was talking last week on, on HQ about this, about, uh, what are the chances that the Giants try to talk themselves into bringing Eli back one more year? Cause this quarterback class isn't great. And if they, they're actually going to have the fourth or fifth pick right now. So they're not going to have a, the top pick to get the quarterback should one come out and they fall in love with it. Are there, is there a chance they squint and say, you know what? Eli's not that bad. We'll fix the offensive line, draft someone, Nick, whoever and fix the defense. And then, you know, you can play when you're 38. Look at, look at, uh, Drew Brees. I think, I think there's a really good chance they try to do that. It's great. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be hilarious. And if they, I mean, they're, they're three and seven now. They've won two games in a row. They beat up on two terrible teams. Like the 49ers aren't good and the Buccaneers are even worse. The Buccaneers are one of the worst defenses in the, in the history of football. Um, and Eli, I mean, Eli completed, uh, what, what's 17 divided by 18? Like 98? I mean, he completed like 98% of his passes against this terrible defense. I think it's 94 something. Look well, at Rain Man. Yeah. Just, just throw it out there. Just math fact checker. I'm the math fact checker of the group. I just gotta, I'm just throwing it out there. Wow. What does that say about us if Breach is the math fact checker? We're, we all suck at math. That's what it says. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's what Breach's Tinder profile says too. I'm the math fact checker of my friends. It's not getting, and, a, not getting a whole lot of action. Surprisingly, a lot of people like that. Yeah. Math nerds are the new, uh, millennials. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you're right, right? I could see, I could, I could see him doing this. By the way, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers changed quarterbacks again in this game. Uh, they went to Javis Winston midway through. He went 12 of 16 for 199 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Just go with Jameis for the rest of the year. He's going to be up. He's going to be down. There's no need to keep trotting out Fitzmagic in that beard. He was 13 of 21 with three picks. Dug the Buccaneers a hole. They could have, if they'd started Jameis Winston in this game, they probably win this game. 
But they started Ryan yeah. Fitz magic. Well, I mean, you say that every week about the Bucks, yeah. not you, but everyone says that every week. You know, when the Bucks played the, the Bengals a while ago and Jameis started and they fell behind by like three touchdowns and then Fitzpatrick led a magical comeback that fell three points short. And we're like, well, if they would have started Fitzpatrick, they would have won. This, it's almost like the Bucks want this to be the story. <laughs> we'll start this one quarterback, we'll fall down by four touchdowns, we'll put the other guy in, we'll almost win. And then Dirk Hedder's like, I can't get fired because I don't know who to play and no one knows who to play. And the crazy thing about this is the Buccaneers put up over 500 yards of offense. They have now lost four games this season with over 500 yards of offense, which no other team in NFL history has ever done. I just, I gotta say, Ryan Fitzpatrick after the game was asked about his third interception and his description perfectly sums up his career and just his style of play. He said, quote, I just threw it up. I threw it up. He's either going to make a play or they are. When you throw it up, 50-50 balls, 50% of the time, they get them. That's just the most Ryan Fitzpatrick explanation for how he plays football. That's why they call it a 50-50 ball. 50% of the time, it doesn't get caught by your guy. Um, That's not actually how that works, but that's okay. Uh, Yeah, by the way, Saquon Barkley probably cementing uh, his status as one of the final – Offensive rookie of the year, guys. I think he's going to win the award. Wouldn't be surprising if Baker Mayfield stole it, but, uh, but Barkley, 27 carries, 142 yards, two touchdowns, and also caught a uh, touchdown as well. Um, another craptastic game on the docket that ended with another craptastic team winning in late fashion. The Oakland Raiders moved to two and eight and beat the Arizona Cardinals 23 to 21. The good news, Sean, David Johnson finally started to continue or continuing to come out of the slump and he should have had a bigger game, but that stupid run at the end got called back for a holding call. Yeah. And then it's, it didn't take rocket science to figure out what, how the Cardinals should have been using David Johnson this entire time. So it, it's refreshing that this has happened. That being said, I don't think we need to hand out any awards for Byron Leftwich for figuring this out. This, this has been David Johnson putting on tape in the last two years. Everyone knew how to use him except the previous offensive coordinator. That's big. That being said, Cardinals win in a weird way. They kind of lose because they jumped a, they, actually, they jumped ahead. They actually did lose. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. The, the, sorry, the Raiders, the Raiders, won. the Raiders won, but in a weird way, they lost because they jumped ahead in the. In the they Raiders. jumped ahead of the. Yeah. The Cardinals jumped ahead of them in the draft order, so it's just kind of funny when the Raiders even managed to win, they end up screwing themselves. Yeah, I mean, you could tell that like John Gruden was pretty psyched about it afterwards, though. I mean, Derek Carr, Derek Carr, great game from Derek Carr, guys. Great game. Good job by you, Derek Carr. Really proud of you. Um, I, I, I think that I was really impressed by the, uh, honorable nature with which you handled your business on Sunday and, and, and getting the win and, uh, being a good human. And I'm sure your whole family's great. So good job by you, big boy. That doesn't sound very sincere. It Just was- me. It was not, it was not, I mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to get bitter about the whole, I spent all week talking about Derek Carr blocking me on Twitter. I'm sure people are sick and tired of hearing it. Brinson, you definitely didn't show as much emotion in your speech as John Gruden did when he was yelling and chewing out Derek Carr on the sideline. That was not, John, come on. He was not yelling and chewing out. I saw the tweet and I was like, okay, I can't wait to see the video. And it's just a video of John Gruden having a conversation, which I would imagine he has a conversation with the waitress at, at Denny's. Like, Where's my at, pancakes? At Hooters. Hooters. At Hooters. Yeah, at Hooters. Where's my chicken wings? <laughs> yeah. And uh, afterwards, there was some uh, – the ESPN beat reporter for the Raiders tweeted that um, the radio guy said that someone had to hold – Lee Smith had to hold Gruden back. And then the radio guy tweeted that, no, that's not true. Quit making things up. And oh. then you saw the video. I was like, yeah, this isn't even anything. Given how terrible this team is. They should have probably started punching each other a long time ago. So I don't know if I'm making too much of that. Yeah, I, I, that's how Brinson treats us. It's how Gruden right, treats exactly. Derek Carr. Yeah, if we can deal with it, Derek Carr can deal with it. I'm a little surprised that the Cardinals' offense didn't look better. I mean, Josh Rosen, 9 of 20 for 136 yards. Did have three touchdowns, two to Larry Fitzgerald. Um, and Christian, uh, Christian Kirk, they used him on a nice little screen pass. He really flashed uh, what he can do and exploded down the field a 59-yard score uh, there. Fitzgerald twice you know, caught two short passes in the red zone. Only 23 total uh, you know, yards in terms of the passing game. Uh, Rosen, I see stuff from Rosen every week where he flashes and I'm like, that dude's going to be good. But he can, he's never able to really put together a full game. I don't, And maybe that's the offensive line. It's just he, he, he can't get protected. That's a concern if you can't get protected against this Raiders defense. Yep. He, uh, that, I mean, that's the thing. You're exactly right. I think he. you look at him and go, wow, that guy has the potential to be the, the first quarterback taken or someone that the, the Giants should have considered instead of Saquon Barkley. And then you see other times where he just looks confused. But I think the good thing is he's playing. I think that's where he needs to be. Sam Bradford's gone. And then you just sort out the offensive line in the offseason. 
And I ain't even joking. Maybe sort out the head coach. I don't know exactly what Steve Wilkes is doing. I don't think he knows. Um, maybe Byron Leftwich will be the head coach uh, a year from now. I don't know. Well, this was the point of discussion on the week. I'm not sure who started it about how you shouldn't be in today's NFL with emphasis on offenses and defenses being reduced um, to a shell of themselves that you shouldn't be hiring a defensive minded coach unless that defensive minded coach is leaps and bounds better than everyone else. And so I, I, I think that that's entirely true with the Cardinals. I think you have to hire someone with Josh Rosen in mind because best case scenario, if they, if they roll it again with this staff and Byron Leftwich does well and Josh Rosen takes off, then Byron Leftwich is suddenly leaving for a head coaching job and suddenly you're picking a new offensive coordinator again. So I think the way to do it is you got to hire the offensive minded coach. And if it works, you've got them. You don't have to worry about someone plucking them off your staff. All I heard there was Sean taking his weekly backhanded insult at Sean McDermott. Don't yeah, hire a defensive-minded coach, Sean. We get it. You hate the guy. <laughs> I had to sneak it in there somewhere. Uh, another game. It was like exactly at the same time as that that uh, Raiders and Cardinals game. The Chargers lost to the Broncos somehow. Like I don't even know how they lost. Like the I'm not. Lost. I know how they lost. Okay. Yeah, Philip Rivers lost that game. Well, it's fine. Philip Rivers lose a game. Don't want to talk really. about that, do you? I don't care. <laughs> hey, I'm a I'm a Chiefs fan, buddy. <laughs> I'm a Chiefs. Okay. I'm a Chiefs man this year. Um, I am. Chiefs, you know the Chiefs over under win total already cashed. Bam. Winner. Hope people on this pod, listen to this podcast, listen to me when I said to take that. Uh, Rivers 28 to 43, 401 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, threw a terrible interception, um, that, that set the, the Broncos up and they got a field goal and, and won 23 to 20. I, I, I mean, I watched this whole game and I'm just not even sure how the Broncos won and yet they were just right there at the end and kicked the field goal and, and... I think the turning point was, the third quarter pick, the Chargers were up 19-7. It looked like they were going to cover the seven-point spread easily, and they were in Broncos territory, and Von Miller just completely read a screen and sat on it and picked it off and returned it 40 or so yards, and then the Broncos score there. Yep. And from there, it's a ball game, and end up winning the game. I think the first pick is the one that annoyed me because it looked like the Chargers were in complete cruise control. And, I mean, at the same time, bad throw by Rivers, but that's Von Miller, one of the best defensive players in the game, making an incredible play. You mean you're about on the screen pass, the, the pick? Yeah, 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 yeah. In the yeah. third quarter, I think they're up 19-7, and he reads the screen, he drops back, and he just picks it off. It looks like Rivers is throwing the ball to him. He returns at 40 yards, and then Royce Freeman, five plays later, or three plays later, scores from the yard line. Yeah. Um, that was, to me, the turning point, because it looked like the Chargers were moving the ball at well. They were about to score again and take a – even. they were already up 12 points. It looked like they were going to take a 20-point lead or so. Um, so, to me, that was the turning point. Um is Vance Joseph doing enough? They're kind of competitive. And interestingly enough, if you went to DVOA before this week, they were in the top 10, I believe, in DVOA, That's which a, I find hard to believe. I'm guessing um, that Noah doesn't read football outsiders. <laughs> That's a red flag, though, if you've got a team that's like that's playing well with a losing record. No, well, I mean, no I'm just saying maybe can they win a few games down the stretch here and then he salvages his job. You look at two of the, the the best games the Broncos played, though. One was against the Rams, and one was against the Chiefs. And, you know, those are two teams that are obviously higher in DVOA, and two teams where you do play your best game in the season, and you lost them both by three or four points. So, you know, things like that factor into it. The Broncos have been competitive in almost every single game they've played. But also, let me throw out the weekly, what the hell are the Chargers thinking? The kicker situation just always blows up in their face. Michael Badgley, perfect on the season, comes in and he misses an extra point and you lose by one point. You know, like, it's the most Chargers thing in the world ever. Yep. Uh, by the way, Broncos get the Steelers this coming week, but then they have the Bengals, 49ers, Browns, and Raiders in a row. That's four winnable games. Yeah. It's just, I mean, everyone's five and five, I feel like. I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah, know what's one of I'm saying, like, I think that they'll probably lose to the Steelers even though it's at home, but they could, they could, the Steelers are due for that game, Ryan. You write about it every year. Mike they Tom? don't play well in Denver either, yeah. Mike, the Mike Tomlin poops his pants game. Well, that wouldn't, I don't think that would be it. I think it would have been this Sunday. They should have lost, like, you know, the, the Jaguars game, but, you know, everyone hates on Blake Bortles, but I'm not blaming Blake Bortles. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, but it, look, if the Broncos, let's say they lose to Pittsburgh, if they can win three of those four games, uh, and then you get in the mix as you're going down the stretch, then yes, I think Vance Joseph could get the side. nine wins. Because, uh, that's not to not, get ahead not. of ourselves, but the Ravens and, and the Bengals are going to probably get nine wins. So th- that's the starting point. Oh, you're saying for the playoffs. I'm saying for Vance Joseph's job. You think he has to make the playoffs? Oh, oh yeah. If he wins eight games, he's fine, right? I would think so. 
Definitely. But they're already buried for the playoffs. There's no way they're getting in. They're yeah, two and good. five in the AFC, which is hands down the worst by far. So they're not going to win any tiebreakers. Yeah, if you look at it, yeah, like you said, Ryan, the Ravens are five and five. Then you have Cincinnati, Miami, Indy, and Tennessee all at five and five. And speaking of those two other teams, Indianapolis and Tennessee, my goodness, the Indianapolis Colts are the are the Colts going to make the playoffs? Breach. Colts are going to make the playoffs, aren't they? Here's the thing: is you look at all these five and five teams that we keep talking about, and you just mentioned all the Ravens, Bengals, Dolphins, Colts, Titans, and the two teams I like. One is the Bengals, but it's because they have wins over the Ravens, Dolphins, and Colts. You know, you having head to head over three of those, even though one of them's one to one with the Ravens. I asked, that's you, still... I asked you a question about the Colts, not the Bengals. And now I'm going to the Colts, but the team I like the most, if you take the tiebreakers out, the thing that uh, the team that has the potential for the most wins out of that five and five crew is the Colts. I mean, they've looked absolutely unstoppable. You know, like we saw Andrew Luck just get beat up every single time he was on the field. It was like, is Andrew Luck going to survive? Is he going to live through this game? That's what it was like watching football 2015, 2016. And now Frank Reich, he's like, here's what we need to do. We need to get out. The ball needs to get out of his hand faster because we don't, so the offensive line gets better. So now he's not getting sacked. He's gone five games without getting sacked. Uh, now they have, they can run the ball. That's not something they've been able to do with Andrew Luck when his first four or five years. And this defense, where the defense come from, Brinson? I didn't even know the Colts were going to have a good defense this year. And I feel like that is almost the the unsung hero of the season so far for Indy is how well their defense is played. I mean, Darius Leonard's a stud. So I would think the Colts have to be the favorite out of that four-way little rat pack going for that sixth AFC playoff spot. By the way, Andrew Luck hasn't been sacked five straight games. Today did not get hit once by the Titans. Breach mm. alluded to the protection. That's just insane. Seven straight games with three passing touchdowns too. I mean, he's is he the is he the number five guy in the MVP race? Did Philip Rivers shoot himself out of the race th- today? Yeah, he arm punted himself out of that race. But he's uh, still in it for me, but he's dropping. When I was talking about Chad Pennington and Andrew Luck, that's that story's over. He was throwing bombs today. He's been throwing bombs in recent recent weeks. I, I don't know what he was pretending to do in preseason when he was just short hopping the ball all over the yard. He's fine, and as long as they keep protecting him, he gets the ball out early. I think it's funny that Frank Reich has encouraged him to do that because Frank Reich tried to encourage Carson Wentz to do that as a 23-year-old or whatever, and he wasn't interested. And, um, you know, he was fine last year, but this year things have sort of gone haywire in in Philadelphia. But, yeah, uh, our buddy RJ, our editor, has been on Indy for like a month now, and uh, they're very good. Have you seen the the Colts' schedule too? Because, I mean, this is – It's Dolphins at home this coming week. At the Jaguars, at the Texans, Cowboys, Giants at home, at the Titans. And they dominate the Titans, so I don't even, it doesn't matter who's, who's the quarterback is. Right. And Mariota's hurt, isn't he? Yep. Hurt they said, hurt and Frable said he's okay, I think. Did you guys see Blaine Gabbard at the press conference? No. Sweet Jesus in the morning time. He had a mustache on and a tight suit. He looked like he just like stepped off the stage in Nashville at one of Breach's like, country music concerts. I think the Colts are going to win this division. Okay, I don't think that's an outrageous thing to say. Titans are going to fold like a cheap suit. Texans, there are two games back. Texans, 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 Texans. We didn't talk about the Texans' win streak expanding. Yeah, well, Ryan, these are your Texans. Talk about it. They went into Washington. Went into Washington and beat up your MVP, Alex Smith. Uh, They killed. They killed Alex Smith's leg. Smith is his his leg. Yeah, I mean. I, I think the Colts are the better team. They're playing more consistently, and we've been no one's been sold on the six-game, now seven-game winning streak for Houston. I love Deshaun Watson. I love uh, Dre Hopkins, but the defense is very good. I just don't know that if the offense is consistent enough down the stretch. I don't trust Bill O'Brien, and I trust Frank Reich and, and Andrew, Andrew Love. I can't believe I'm saying that. And that defense, as, as Breach pointed out, that defense sort of came out of nowhere. Um, that defense that wasn't good under Pagano. It wasn't good under Tony Dungy, and now magically it's good under the offensive guy, to get to Sean's point, no matter what, just hire an offensive guy. The defense will be fixed. The offense will be fixed. Right. Nothing to worry about. I don't think the I don't think the Texans are better than the Colts. I do, however, have a hard time believing the Colts will make up those games. We're talking about how the Colts' schedule is easy. The Texans' schedule, I mean, they've, they've won seven in a row. We keep saying, who have they beat? Who have they beat? That doesn't really matter much because look at who they're playing the rest of the way. Titans, Browns, Colts, Jets, Eagles, Jaguars. I'm not saying they're going to win win out. I mean, but they could win out. Are we going to be talking about the end of the year? Like, this is the worst however many game winning streak they're going to be on at that point. What if they're on like a a, like a 15 game (laughs) winning streak? I mean, like, 
Their last loss was in in September, in week three. So, so here's the thing, Brinson. Uh, the Colts are 15th coming into this week, according to DVOA, value, you know, measuring every play against every other team, see where you rank. So they're replacement level middle of the road. Texans, 13th. Yep. So it's not like they're that much better. And, you know, we're talking about luck with the with the wins in, in, in Denver and Denver being better or whatever. You know, things could go a certain ways for, for the Colts, the other way for the Texans, and bada-bing, bada-boom, as the uh, old people say. There you go, division winner. Is it, wait, what, what are the old this people This is say? your guys' territory. Did the old people say bada-bing, bada-boom, or there you go? <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Or that the Texans are a division winner. Yeah, yeah. They say, they say all those things. You guys weren't at the bingo parlor. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, the Colts are two – the problem is the Colts are two and a half games back, and – um, you know, if they'd beaten the Texans in that overtime game where Frank Wright went for it on the fourth down, all of a sudden, you know, they'd be six and four. The Col- they'd be tied at six and four with a tiebreaker over the Texans. And it is hard when you look at what Houston has remaining, and it's Titans, Browns, Colts, at Jets, at Eagles, Jaguars. Like, how many of those games is the Texans losing? They're at least winning ten games, I think. Yeah. And I don't think they're good, but that schedule sets up. I think they're going ten or eleven wins. And then we're going to bet all our money against them when they play the Chargers in the first round in the wild card. And the Chargers will Chargers it up. No, Chargers, they will. <laughs> no, Chargers will slaughter the Texans in that yeah. game. Then the Chargers Absolutely. will go, then the Chargers will go in like an absolutely poop pants in the middle of Foxborough in like in a, in a horrific disaster. Or they'll lose by six and their kick will miss six field goals. Yeah, that's more likely. That would be 18 points that they lost. But yeah, that, that would be a that's very point. painful six point loss. <laughs> <laughs> Math. All of us. He's the math guy, Brinson. Don't try to outsmart him. By the way, Titans and Texans Monday night next week. Ew, gross. But but at least it's a meaningful game in terms of the. You know, I'd rather have that than what Forty ers was it Forty ers Raiders recently? Yeah, it was awful. Like at least we've got you know playoff intrigue there. Yeah, that's true. Um, don't forget the Bengals, man. Bengals, that's the game I couldn't get to load. It just won't load so I can look at the stats. It's just being annoying. Um, so I'll let you tell me about it, John Breach. The Bengals lost again. How does that make you feel? Well, you don't need to look at the Ravens' passing stats because there were none. They just <laughs> run the ball in every single play. And it was like the Bengals were completely fooled and had no idea what was going on. It was unbelievable. It was like, hey, you know what's coming. So the last few weeks we've watched Cincinnati's defense just get sliced and diced through the air passing, and you're thinking, you know what, maybe they can stop the run. They haven't been horrible at it. They know the run is coming. They know Lamar Jackson's not going to throw the ball 30 times. And what happens? Not only do the Ravens get their first 100-yard rusher of the year, they get their first two 100-yard rushers of the year. Lamar Jackson goes off for 117 yards. Gus Edwards, who I'd never even heard of until four hours ago. That's it. That uh, it's like he's just making the names up. I, I, I mean, I might be. I don't even <laughs> that's, know if that's, that's his name. name when he goes out and, and harasses people. That's, that's that's why that's why I won't load the stats. Like somebody's trying to confirm that Gus Edwards is a real person. <laughs> yeah, we need proof. And, and that guy, he goes out for 115 yards, and it was just – they just couldn't stop it. And, you know, the, the Bengals don't have A.J. Green. Their offense didn't look horrible. Andy Dalton made a few big plays. Obviously, this game was close, uh, but boom, you know, the, the Ravens had their bread and butter. They did it, and I don't know if the Bengals deserve to be in the playoffs now. I'm sad. What, uh, what effect did Hugh Jackson have on the defense, would you say? I would say if Hugh Jackson wasn't on the coaching staff, the Bengals win by 10. I will say this. I was watching that game. I, I was convinced the Steelers were going to lose, and whoever won this game was going to be in the driver's seat, and it, much more so if it had been the Bengals. Somehow the Raven, uh, the Ravens pull it out, and somehow the Steelers win, and that's not the worst case scenario, but not a great day for the Bengals when they could have gotten within a game and a half or, or half a game or whatever if they'd won, and the Steelers had lost. I don't think the Bengals are any good. The Bengals, I feel like I said this like three weeks ago. I mean, I'm, we, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just being honest. Like I think you look at a lot of their wins too, and I see Breach is giving me a death stare. I swear to God, um, I, I, he's about to like jump through the computer. Beat the Colts. Uh, the they beat the Colts, but I'm talking about how they won these games. They beat the Colts in week one, fine, good win. The Colts looked pretty good. That's back when Andrew Luck couldn't throw the ball downfield. Not only that, the Colts were driving to win the game, and there was a fumble return that made it an 11-point game. They beat game. the Ravens. They looked good against them. I'll give them that. They beat the Falcons on a touchdown pass with four seconds left. They beat the Brock or the Ryan Tannehill Dolphins, but they needed two defensive touchdowns that were really fluky. Tannehill trying to throw the ball away, and it's bouncing off helmets. Um, they beat the Buccaneers by three. Buccaneers suck. 
I, I just I don't I look at this Bengals team. I don't think they're that good. Since since, since Tyler Eifert went down against the Falcons, the Bengals are two and four and have scored more than twenty five points twice. Well, let me just say that you don't have to be that good to make the playoffs in the AFC, Sean. I know that you follow the Bears and the NFC, and you don't really pay attention to the other half of the NFL. Uh, but the bottom half of the AF- AFC is horrible, and anybody can get a playoff spot. If you look at the Bengals' schedule, they get to play the Browns twice. They still have the Raiders. I mean, that's three possible wins. Broncos at home. If it was in Denver, they'd get smoked. But at home, i give them a chance. And then, you know, maybe Week 17 against the Steelers. The Steelers already have the division wrapped up. They're not playing for anything. That's a win, and the only game I'm concerned about there is the Chargers game. So this team is going to go nine and seven, but I don't know if nine and seven is going to be good enough to be in the playoffs. I'll yeah, take the you guys are that. talking about Tyler Eifert. Uh, AJ Green's a big deal, and that defense yep. being dog doo doo—that's the bigger deal. I don't know what's going on with that defense. It is a steaming pile of poo. Fire Terrell Austin and Marvin Lewis. Like I know. Let's start. Let's let's fire a defensive coordinator the week before we play a, a divisional rival who's going to start a a young hyper athletic quarter rookie quarterback. And, By the way, uh, Breach, since you watched that game closely, I was I watched some of it. I got the impression that Lamar Jackson. This is only his first game, so I can't take too much away from it. But he's not going to be able to sustain running around taking huge hits uh, for much longer. I feel like. What what do you think watching him? I mean, he got crushed, but the thing is, he never got like. Fontaz perfected you know like he, he didn't take any death blows that left him on the ground where he was sitting there or like collecting his thoughts where you thought maybe he might have got a concussion it was all he was smart he's not rg3 you know when rg3 was running around his rookie year every single time he ran off with the ball he just got smacked down but lamar jackson smart he knows what to do he gets down he doesn't take those hits so i think he can sustain this for a few weeks but there's a reason you don't have option quarterbacks in the nfl and it's because these defensive players are twice the size of the quarterback and you just can't keep taking those hits every week. So maybe the Ravens go to a system where they're playing Lamar Jackson one week, playing Joe Flacco the next week. Cause I think John Harbaugh is going to do whatever he wants this season to get them through there, to get them to the playoffs. And if he thinks playing Flacco for a half, playing Lamar Jackson for a half is the answer. That's what he's going to do. He's just going to do whatever the heck he wants because if he doesn't make the playoffs, he's probably out. So why not just throw everything on the wall? So I, Harbaugh's going to get crazy. This offense is going to get crazy. And I don't think we'll see Lamar carrying it 27 times per game the rest of the season. You're saying, talk, saying more Gus Edwards is what I'm hearing. All of Gus Edwards. For all the talk about how little Lamar Jackson threw the ball, by the way, he still completed more passes, attempted more passes, and threw for 50 more yards than Blake Portals. So he wasn't the most limited quarterback this weekend. I have a hot take. Blake Portals didn't take any hits, though, Sean. I have a hot take. Would you like to hear it? That's, that's up your alley. Jackson? The Bengals are going to finish last in the AFC North. I, I'm with you on that. I was going to say, I think, the, I think the Browns are better than the Bengals. I think They're so. Win I know that they got rid of Hugh. I think and, so you know what? and Hugh went to the Bengals. The yep. disease has spread to Cincinnati. <laughs> he was good in the Bengals four years ago, Sean. You act like Hugh. Oh, was... yeah, four years ago. Four years Breach, ago, I was in Breach, middle school. Breach is so mad. <laughs> so mad. <laughs> Sean, Sean can't grate on your nerves. I don't even have any dog in this fight. It's like having a little kid yell, throw rocks at your car while you're driving to work. <laughs> Go to school, you little monkey. <laughs> the uh, the Bengals, by the way, have a worse point differential than the Browns. And again, the Browns were handicapped with Hugh Jackson as their head coach for over half the season or half the season. So I find it interesting that we troll Sean for ten and a half weeks now. And ne- never does Breach troll Sean. Basically, me and you, yeah. Brent. I'm not trolling. I'm being. He just turned on Breach, probably his only defender. Uh, Your only ally, Sean. Yeah. yeah. And this is Game know. of you Thrones. Were, you were yeah. the only one from here besides me that picked the Bears. Watch, to your, win. watch yourself, Littlefinger. Me too, Sean. <laughs> me too. Little uh, it is hilarious that like if you get trolled on this podcast for your team being bad, like all like Bingo's going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, like we're yeah. we're blasting we're blasting Wilson the Steelers and like they like they're in first place and on cruise control making fun of the Bears <laughs> this is seven and three can't lose any games um, don't worry Breach you'll be fine the Bengals will be just and fine. and Brinson's team has just been hovering at average all season so we haven't got to do anything with them yet and nobody expects them to win a division. 
Yeah, but everybody knows. I mean, like, I don't really, like, care about I mean, like, I, I, mean, I care. Yes, you do. You act like you don't, but you do. I don't care if the Panthers win or lose. I'd better than the Chiefs win or the, the Panthers win. Panthers are 6-4. and four. Last game to talk about, they lost a close one to the Detroit Lions, 20-19 to 19 in Detroit. The Panthers, by the way, wore some snazzy black uniforms uh, in this game, but it wasn't enough to overcome whatever Detroit managed to do. Panthers went for two at the end to try and win the game because Graham Gano was playing so poorly. Uh, DJ Moore, huge game, seven catches, 157 yards and a touchdown. Nick uh, Costas playing me in fantasy football today league forgot to start him. So that's a big win for me. So Cortland Sutton instead suck it, Nick. Um, Kenny Galladay first hundred yard receiving game with a touchdown in his career. Matthew Stafford, 23 or 37, 220 yards, 113 of those went to Kenny Galladay. Uh, neither team really established the run. Just sort of one of those games where I felt like Carolina I like the Lions against the spread the whole time, plus four at home. It made no sense. And I just didn't think Carolina was going to go in there and whip up on them, and they didn't. Does anybody care to add to it? What does this mean for Matt Patricia? I mean, he's fine. He I don't understand. Yeah. That he's not getting fired. Like, Bob, Bob Quinn, he's not getting fired after his first year. What people? I don't understand why we would have these conversations. I just like to talk about Matt Patricia because he was – Calling out people. For well, that, the way that stuff was ridiculous. But like he's Bob Quinn, who came from New England, hired Patricia and fired Jim Caldwell, who went like nine and seven the year before he got fired. He's not firing. back to back years. He went nine and seven, by yeah, the way. Yeah, but he's not firing. He's not firing Matt Patricia. No, he's not. Year. But I, I don't. I think it's just the latest example of the Bill, uh, the Bill, uh, the Bill Belichick coaching tree not being all it's cracked up to be. I think you have to get Bill Belichick players like Mike Vrabel and not people who've actually coached for him. Mm. Uh, he did. He did win today. Who? Patricia. Patricia. Yeah, I know. I was just saying what this meant for Patricia. He's just a slob. That's my point. Yeah. I mean, there's no real overarching point. I think the bigger issue is, uh, I think Ryan, I think, I think Ryan meant like, did Patricia save his job with this win today? Yeah. Yeah. Keep up, Sean. There's uh, no have, job worth saving. I have no issue with, um, Rivera going for it. It was a terrible throw by Cam. And I think at the end of the day, they had all, fast. all day to throw that. I don't and know how was, you missed that throw, to be honest with I don't you. Know he just gassed it over his head and, and the Panthers lost as a result of that. But yeah. And if you hit that throw, all of a sudden it's a, you know, Riverboat Ron strikes again. The Panthers are rolling. It's time for them to go win. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, preach. Would you rather be the Panthers or the Bengals right now? I would rather be the Bengals, obviously, but if we're saying, I shouldn't pick the Bengals, then probably the Panthers. So here's the thing. <laughs> Panthers are still – the loss doesn't hurt them that bad because everybody lost in the NFC. You know, we saw the, the Vikings lost, uh, the Packers lost. And so you know, they're, still, lose. they're still locked into the fifth spot. There's no downside. They're not hurting themselves. That loss didn't kill them at all. So, I, you know, the Panthers are still in a great spot for a play playoff spot. And – uh you know, if I put percentages on the Panthers or the Bengals, I give the Panthers like an 80% chance to get the playoffs. I give the Bengals like 25%. So I'd definitely rather be the Panthers and not be Graham Gano. The only – the downside for the Panthers is that they're probably not going to catch the Saints in the division just because the Saints are playing so probably. well. <laughs> well, but they have to they have to play the Saints twice. So, yeah, they beat them twice and they're still down again. Anyway, so I'm saying like – like, my point is like they have to play them twice, but – even if they sweep the Saints, they're probably not going to catch them in the division. And so they're probably going to lose one or two to the Saints that could end up knocking out of the playoffs. They get the Seahawks and then at Buccaneers, at Browns, and then the, the Saints, Falcons, at Saints. Um, I could see the Panthers winning. I think they miss the playoffs. Really? Eight and eight, eight, eight. Because they have to play the Saints twice. Unless that week 17. Yeah, but the Saints are going to have, the Saints are going to have the division wrapped up by John. They might not have home they might not have home field wrapped up exactly. though by week seventeen if John the Rams Pace are within forty eight points today and had no reason to score more than fourteen. He didn't care. Yeah, and he apparently likes some of the people on that on that Philadelphia he's, team. He's, yeah, he's Sean Payton's running up the score on everybody right now. It's the fu Sean Payton tour. Uh, I think the Panthers are going to win three of the. No, the Panthers are going to nine wins. They'll win three of these games: Buccaneers, the, Buccaneers, Browns, and Falcons. Those are wins. This game this week, this weekend between the Seahawks is going to be huge because the Seahawks are five and five. If they win, not only are they even in the standings, but they have the head-to-head tiebreaker. Um, I was going to ask you guys to pick your two wildcard teams because I think you can make a case for the the Vikings, the Packers, the Panthers, and the Seahawks. Well, let's get out of here on this. That's a great idea, Sean. You've, uh, wish, Thank you. Thank you, Brinson. Wish you'd mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast. We could have started that off. Um, pick your uh, get out of here. We'll pick your pick your playoff teams. Uh, AFC and NFC. Ryan, who you got? Wildcard teams. Uh, uh, 
Got to go with the Pets, the Steelers. Hey, it's a wild card. Just wild card. Okay, well, I got to go through it because I'm old. Colts, Chiefs. So let's see. Uh, ooh, by the way, do 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 do. So the Texans will go in because they'll switch off with the uh, Colts, and it's either going to be, <laughs> I think it's either going to be the Ravens or the or the Chargers. Uh, I'll go with the Chargers. Mm. And the other division, uh, Washington. They'll make it happen, and. I don't think your Carolina Panthers are going to make it. I'm going to go crazy and say so you have my Seattle Seahawks. Okay. All right. John, who you got? I mean, I like all Ryan's picks, and I don't want to steal them. Uh, but I do like the Chargers and the Colts in the AFC as much as it pains me to not pick Cincinnati. And then in the NFC, man, I like the Panthers, and I like – you know what? I like – after this Sunday, whoever wins the Seahawks-Panthers game, I like that team. And whoever wins the Packers-Vikings game, I like that team. Hey, pick right now, you coward. Jesus, look at this guy. Sean, that is mean, man. We're going to end on, not, on a low note. Options. All yeah. right. We, we all don't know who's going to win these games next week. I'll take the Seahawks and the Packers. I'll go crazy. Wow, that is crazy. Guy drinks two root beers and he goes nuts. Sean? I, I will take the Colts and the Chargers. Mm. And then I will take the Seahawks to beat the Panthers this weekend and then to wrap up the sixth seed. And then I will take the Vikings to snag the fifth seed because I don't think we should overreact to the Vikings losing to a great team in Chicago. What a clown. Don't weigh um, in on that. Yeah, no, I'm not going to. I'll take the, uh, I think the Panthers and the Vikings will get in the NFC and I think it'll be the, uh, the Chargers and the Colts. I think that, that that's who's going to make it. Although, wouldn't rule out Miami. Certainly not when they have Brock Osweiler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note, this is the Big Six Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. Thank you as always, guys. A delightful way to spend our Sundays. Hope everybody has a great Monday. We will talk to you tomorrow when we bring Brady Crin on to parade him about how good the Bears are. <laughs>